guys are probably pretty tired, right? Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. We have a very, very special guest, and I've got to get to him because this is going to be such an hour of the show. Can I just tell you? I'm so excited. Don Brown, welcome. Kate, thanks for having me today, and I'm happy to be with you. Absolutely. I'm happy to. Be, I'm happy that you're visiting our show. I really am because, wow, what a story you have. So this is going to be amazing to go over. Let me introduce you, uh, if the audience, well, I, I want to give some details about you. Former United States Navy JAG officer stationed at the Pentagon and former special assistant uh, United States attorney is uh, the author of 10 military and legal novels, including the nationally best-selling novels Treason and Malacca. Is that how you say it? That's right. It's a mouthful of conspiracy. Malacca conspiracy. A graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, the Campbell University School of Law, holding a certificate of international law from the U.S. Naval War College. Uh, Don served as the administrative law attorney at the Pentagon on the staff of the Navy Judge Advocate General, where he drafted legal memoranda for the Secretary of the Navy and drafted legal opinion papers for the Secretary. Uh, rising to the rank of Lieutenant Commander of the Navy JAG Corps in in addition to having authored the popular Navy Justice series and Pacific Rim series. Thank you so much for joining us. Kate, it's my honor. Thank you for having me and for bringing attention today to this national tragedy that has pretty much been covered up. That is a shoot down of extortion 17. I'm, I'm so grateful that you and others like you who are carrying the flame for these guys who will have lost their lives four years ago coming up on August the 6th. So thank absolutely, you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a, what a, what a, oh, it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. And I, I cannot wait to talk about this because you're right. It was underreported. It hasn't, not even underreported, just a cover up to me. Uh, but extortion 17 was the call sign of a Chinook helicopter carrying 17 Navy SEALs who were part of a SEAL Team 6 uh, who allegedly took out Osama bin Laden, along with a few Army Rangers National Guard pilots, and at least seven unknown Afghan soldiers. Tell us what happened August 6, 2011. Kate, uh, one of the greatest tragedy and the greatest loss of American life in the Afghan war happened, and it was inexcusable, and it did not have to happen, and it has been covered up. But let me sort of share what happened with your viewers or with your listeners in this case. Okay. Um, call sign extortion 17 is the call sign for an old United States Army National Guard helicopter, a Chinook. About 2.20 a.m. on August the 6th, and this sort of to put this in, in perspective historically, this was 97 days after U.S. Navy t- SEALs had taken out Osama bin Laden in Pakistan. It was 13 months before the attack on our consulate in Benghazi. That gives you an idea when this happened. At 2.22 a.m., U.S. Navy SEALs were ordered on board this chopper. They are from SEAL Team 6, the very same group that had taken out Osama bin Laden 90-some days earlier. Along with those Navy SEALs, there is the five-member Army National Guard flight crew. There are three United States Air Force (laughs) special operators. And, of course, there are eight, believe it or not, unidentified Afghans who are on board, who are rushed onto this chopper. This is an old chopper. It is a troop transport chopper. Uh, it's designed to carry troops and equipment. This old chopper, this Chinook, is basically defenseless. It is ordered on a mission that should have taken 10 minutes from wheels up to wheels down. Flying along with it is another Chinook, which strangely, Kate, is empty. Both of these Chinooks Extortion 17, the one that we're talking about this afternoon with the SEALs on board, and and Extortion 16 had flown a flight about three hours earlier that night in this war on terror, dropping off a group of U.S. Navy Rangers, excuse me, U.S. Army Rangers in an area not far from where they were taking the SEALs. That flight had gone well, and that flight had had rangers on both choppers but for whatever reason extortion 17 is jammed like sardines with seals while its sister chopper is basically empty except the flight crew they take off on what should have been a 10 minute flight as the flight enters into this hot over this hot uh, contested valley called the tangy valley full of taliban and it is as it is a company they are accompanied by united states 
uh, aircraft, which are uh, two Apache helicopters and one AC-130, which are highly armed offensive helicopters. Mm -hmm. Something went wrong. We lost uh, communication with the chopper. The chopper began, began behaving erratically. For whatever reason, it could not seem to find the landing zone. In the meantime, this AC-130 aircraft, which is a fixed-wing United States Air Force aircraft, is circling overhead, circling over the landing zone, looking down onto the landing zone to make sure that the area is clear. It sees... This aircraft sees Taliban moving toward the landing zone, Kate. It requests permission from flight control to take the Taliban out, and it had the firepower to do it. We had three aircraft which could have cleared that landing zone out and softened the beachhead. But, Kate, permission was denied to clear that landing zone, inexplicably denied. And as the, as the chopper, Extortion 17, got closer to that landing zone, about 100 to 150 feet off the ground, these Taliban operatives moved into the landing zone with RPG, rocket-propelled rocket grenade weapons, fired three RPG weapons. One of them struck the uh, back blade of Extortion 17. The chopper fell from 100 to 150 feet caught fire and everyone died. We lost 30 Americans. It was the greatest loss Jeez. of American life in the Afghan war and the largest loss in the history of the United States Navy SEALs. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and were some of the passengers, some of those Americans, were they literally in the group that um, got bin Laden? Well, we don't have any evidence to suggest any type of substantial overlap. Um, I have been, I've heard from people who reached out to me saying there was an overlap, but my research has not revealed that any of the guys who lost their lives in Extortion 17 were involved in the operation known as Neptune Spear. However, the Taliban would have had no way of knowing that. And, uh, you know, the Taliban, I'm very certain, knew this flight pattern. They were waiting on it, and they were there to shoot down a U.S. Uh, military chopper specifically to retaliate for the taking out of bin Laden. So they didn't know whether or not these guys were the same or not, but they did have a pretty good idea that this chopper was Navy SEALs, I believe. Wow. So with the pilot, uh, was the pilot somebody that we know who was piloting that aircraft? Was it somebody brought in? Uh, yes, we do. yes we know. Um, remember, this this chopper was piloted by an Army National Guard crew, mm -hmm. and let me just say, um, I have no reason to believe that the Army National Guard crew did anything wrong. Right. They were patriots. They were professionals. Um, they were not special operations aviators out of the what we call night stalkers out of the 160th uh, Special Operations Aviation Regiment at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So they were not trained to do special operations missions. They were asked to fly a mission they should not have been asked to fly. But the pilots, to answer your question, there was a younger pilot, um, CW2, Chief Warrant Officer 2, Brian Nichols, out of the Omaha region, and, uh, and who was the pilot in charge, excuse me, he was out of Kansas City, pilot in charge of the aircraft, the younger pilot, it was his first you know, combat deployment. Brian had been in the Army before, and he was deployed in Kosovo and Iraq. Then he went back to flight school. So he was a younger pilot. He had good marks, but not a lot of experience. However, flying along with Brian was CW4 David Carter out of the Denver area. David Carter um, was one of the Army's best pilots. He was a, a over 20-year veteran flying the Chinook. Um, he was an instructor and uh, and knew he knew what he was doing. There's no reason this chopper extortion seven should have got lost in the air as it appeared to have got lost in the air. It was almost 10 minutes overdue. Remember, this is a flight that should have lasted 10 minutes. It was still hanging in the air at a, close to the 19-minute mark, seemingly wow. unable to find the landing zone when it was shot out of the air. Um, I'm concerned that something happened on board that chopper, ladies. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go a little bit backwards. When you first heard about this, did it spark your interest right away with sort of a, wait a second, protocols were broken or why did, why, did you wait for the report and what did the report tell you? Because I think the report is what brought up most of your suspicion, correct? That's true. A little bit of a background. Mm -hmm. um, some, several of the family members uh, of the Extortion 17 family members who lost their sons held a press conference in Washington, D.C. at the National Press Club in the summer of 2013 asking for answers. Colonel Alan West was president and some other senior military officers, um, Admiral H. Lyons, who had been SYNCPAC or Commander-in-Chief Pacific under President Reagan, um, General Paul Vallely, United States Air Force General Head 
come to show the support and a couple of other members of the Congress. And uh, there were questions that were being asked, and a lot of the questions, you know, surrounded, you know, mm-hmm. why was the why were these guys put on a, an old Army National Guard chopper? But the thing, and I think that's a bit of a red herring, to be honest with you. And I think that red herring was created by the military in the report itself. But mm-hmm. but as a result of that press conference, I was very moved by um, by the pain that these family members were suffering. And uh, I reached out to one of the family members, uh, Billy and Karen Vaughn. Karen Vaughn is a mother of fallen Navy SEAL Aaron Vaughn. And we began to talk. And in August of 2011, um, I drove to Atlanta, Georgia. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The Vaughns had been visiting family in Tennessee. They live in Florida. They were on their way back to Florida. We met in Atlanta at a Shoney's and talked for almost three hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, um, they had a, a disc that had been declassified, a little flash drive that had been declassified and handed to family members, which was the, the, mil- the official military report. And they gave it to me, and I started to analyze it. But, of course, it, it's like a scrambled puzzle. And, you know, I'm a lawyer, and you've probably heard the phrase legalese. You can't read, <laughs> most people can't read mm-hmm. contracts because many of them, frankly, are poorly drafted. Mm-hmm. Well, an analogy to that is military ease. You know, in the military, we have all types of acronyms and so the so the the uh frankly the report needed a fresh set of eyes on it from someone who could sort of read it and i began to go through it and then one question arose after another so the book my book call sign extortion 17 which is released at the very end of may this year is a largely an analysis of this cult report the official military report the book does not stop there we go above and beyond simply what's in the in the report itself to try to piece together what happened and why. But it, uh, that is the heart of the book, the analysis of that uh, military report. You've had great, uh, great remarks about the book, uh, great ratings about it. What is the name of the book? The book is Call Sign, Extortion mm-hmm. 17, okay. the shoot-down of SEAL Team 6, and uh, should be still in most Barnes & Noble around the country. And, of course, right. you can go to my website at donbrownbooks.com or you can go to Amazon. It's available all over the place. Because we're going to just hit the highlights of this. But I'll tell you that the seven unidentified Afghan commandos, did they board the helicopter just before it took off? And I can't imagine that that wouldn't have raised so many questions for the gentlemen on board. Right. Right. Uh, by all accounts, they did board the aircraft. And let me just say that as I went through this report, approximately 1,250 pages, this report, uh, and I'm going to come directly back to the issue of these Afghans, but this We'll be right back. This is in the from the Wayback Machine, Don Brown, um, Extortion 17. What an important interview. Be right back on the Kate Daly Show. of nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule changing the world one life at a time i do have energy and it's not like energy that is like a caffeine high energy but in terms of just having the vitality to go through the day and and there are times when i just notice that you know what i'm actually not tired this is not uh tiring me. So I feel like my energy level is good and better than it was in times past. So I think that's a documented fact. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com. Again, that's balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code CANYON. SNS Mechanical has always been there for you since 1983. During this viral outbreak, it's no different. SNS Mechanical has always strived to provide the very best in indoor air quality solutions for your home or business. They have some phenomenal products that have been proven to reduce indoor allergies and airborne illnesses with extensive third-party testing. They're offering a free in-home evaluation about the Remy Halo air purifier and the Train Clean Effects filter. Call in today, set up a free evaluation, or visit ssairconditioning.com and see if these products can help you with your health today. Hi, it's Dr. Plum. Plum Dental is open, and now is a great time to improve your family's dental health with our team at Plum Dental. As always, our office is clean and safe. We continue to adhere to the highest standards of infection control, and we are also following all the current recommendations for social distancing. Fortunately, I've been blessed with really long arms. 
We will continue to provide you with the service that has helped us be voted the best of Southern Utah. Schedule your appointment now at PlumDental.com. There has never, ever been a better time than right now to refresh your home. Best Mattress has just reopened with new policies in place to make it the safest environment possible. And to welcome everyone back, we're offering 20% off plus easy financing and free delivery. So refresh, revitalize, and replace with the brands you know and trust. Serta, Sealy, Beautyrest, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic. Best Mattress. Now more than ever, you can sleep easy, friends. See store for details. When mom passed away, she had it all planned with Spillsbury Mortuary. That's mom taking care of us even after she's gone. Dad pre-planned his funeral with Spillsbury Mortuary. That made it easier to honor him and his life. Dad did always know what was best. I pre-planned my funeral with Spillsbury Mortuary. My kids don't have to worry about anything except loving those cute grandkids of mine. Pre-plan your funeral at SpillsburyMortuary.com. Let's take a quick quiz. Would you pay for a product that you could get for 40 to 60% less? Obviously, the answer is no. That's why Wayne and Deb started St. George Ink and Toner. They're saving you 40 to 60% on average by refilling your ink and toner printer cartridges. And at St. George Ink and Toner, they offer an outstanding warranty on all of their products. So stop in today and save money on your ink and toner printer cartridges at St. George Ink and Toner, 42 South River Road, next to TJ Maxx and Planet Fit. Hi, this is Kate Daly, and I love my sponsors. No matter your situation, Bank of Utah Home Loans can help with the right home loan for you. Call Brian and the Bank of Utah Home Loans team today, 435-986-7221. Bank of Utah Home Loans, helping you grow no matter what stage of life you're in. Copiers for Sale offers Southern Utah the best quality and pricing on printers, copiers, and plotters. They sell, lease, and service any equipment your business or home office needs. Copiersforsale.com, a local company and division of Steamroller Copies, is always asking, what do you want to print today? You've probably spent as much time in your house in the last few months as you did in the last year. And you've probably noticed that mattress isn't quite as comfortable as you'd hoped. That couch desperately needs an upgrade, and that dining set is being used more than ever. If you're ready for something more comfortable, a better fit, or a fresher look, Ashley Home Store can help. You can count on a clean, safe, and friendly shopping experience. And if you're not quite ready to come in person, give us a call or shop Ashley online, and we'll safely bring it to you. This is a great month to take advantage of our extra inventory and special financing. Southern Utah has certainly seen its ups, downs, booms, and busts. But one thing has remained the strength of our community and right now you can count on your locally owned family run ashley home store to provide quality furniture at great prices with unmatched customer service if you need new furniture for any room of your home shop local at ashley home store east red cliff drive in between the di and pineview stadium 10 talk lines are open now call 888-673-1450 this is the kate daly show Back with you in the Wayback Machine. Today's show is recorded. This is Don Brown with Extortion 17. When I find the myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. But this report had been a top secret report. Um, it was a result of a five week investigation uh, that began the day after the shoot down, August the 7th, 2011, and concluded September the 13th, 2011. The official military report concluded that there was nothing wrong. It whitewashed everything. It created an issue about the use of the National Guard chopper. I, I really think that is a red herring issue to get people talking about the wrong issues. Mm. Um, but a month after the report was closed, closed in October of 2011. Bear in mind, this chopper went down August 6th. The military brought uh, family members into Little Creek, Virginia, which is where SEAL Team 6 is headquartered, and began to brief family members. But here's what's interesting, ladies. Someone in the U.S. military, and I suspect senior enlisted and mid-level officers, had declassified over 1,200 pages of, of an investigation that had been deemed as top secret only a month before and handed it to certain of these family members. Hmm. And when the military found out that this got out, they later requested it back and then changed their mind about requesting it back, I guess to not hmm. cause so much attention to it. Wow. But 
But so I certainly about your question about the Afghans. As I was going through this report, one of the things that uh, was very surprising to me is that, and most Americans aren't aware of this, is we've been flying since about 2009. We've been flying these special operators, Rangers and SEALs, with with uh, Afghan commandos on board the chopper with our special operations forces, which to me uh, sounded very very odd because number one, the public doesn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Number two, we've had an issue with green on blue violence, where whereby Afghans are shooting Americans in the back. Just last year, we lost a two-star U.S. Army general shot in the back by an yeah. Afghan security guard. So that seemed odd to me. But I want you to know that this whole issue of the seven Afghans board... So there were supposed to be Afghans on board the chopper, just not the ones that boarded it. And this whole issue of the swap-out was totally covered up, totally kept out of the final military report, and was not discovered except for by happen chance about a year and four months after the, the shoot-down. When in Florida, the friends that I met, Billy and Karen Bond, living in Florida, had, Billy finally started to go through this disc. It's very difficult for family members to go through and look at evidence, mm-hmm. hard evidence, which deals with their son's death. But Billy started to do that, and he found a, a testimonial exchange. So we had investigators go in, put other pilots, and put folks under oath who were on the scene, ask them what happened. And there was a testimonial exchange between one of the investigating officers mm-hmm. on one side of the table asking questions of two witnesses. One of these witnesses was the commander of the Joint Special Operations Task Force. The other witness sitting with him was his subordinate, a J-3 officer. That's a military acronym meaning operations officer. And so the question from the deputy commander, the deputy investigating officer, was tell us about the flight manifest. Do we have everyone accounted for? That's a question. Mm-hmm. So the junior guy speaks up. He says, well, we know the names of all the Americans, but we don't know the names of the Afghans on board. And uh, I can't really say why, but if you want me to, you, if I can give you my opinion. But, and as this junior officer began to give his opinion, his boss cut him off. And the boss said, but the bottom line is we have the correct number mm-hmm. of of folks accounted for. So he was cut off. Wow. Well, Billy, Billy Vaughn saw this exchange, and he had asked uh, Admiral Billy McRaven, who at this time was CENTCOM at McDill Air Base in Tampa, to come out and brief him. So Billy M- Admiral McRaven came out to the Vaughn's home, along with a senior enlisted advisor, uh, a sergeant major, Delta Force type in the Army, senior enlisted, probably been in 30 years. And Mr. Vaughn asked the Admiral, he said, Admiral, I saw, you know, deep in this report that apparently there were seven Afghans on board his chopper, and we don't know who they are, but then Billy said, he said, but I guess it must not have been a very big deal because nothing else was said. That's what Billy said to the Admiral. Well, the Admiral sat there, looked at him, and did not respond. And a couple of minutes later, the senior enlisted advisor, the sergeant major, speaks up and says, actually, Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, that was a very big deal that should never have happened. So it was the sergeant major who alerted us that there had been a major security breach. Right. It was totally washed out of the report. That's how it came about. We don't know who they are, but there was a swap out of the last second, and it's very disconcerting. When you look at the fact that the chopper seemed to have gotten lost in the sky and was still hanging in the sky almost 10 minutes late when it was blown out of the air. Wow. Don, I have a question for you. I think the average person, when they hear an aircraft has gone down, they assume, I mean, I assume, and, and I think I'm a pretty mm-hmm. average person, that there's a black box and that you'll get all the evidence you need about what really happened from the black box. Is there one on this, Chinook? There have been shifting stories from the military about this. Uh, first off, uh, we know from the military investigation, and again, the issue of the disappearing black box, there is an issue here about the mysterious disappearing black box. That whole issue was washed out of the final report, finishing September the 13th of 2011. But when we begin to dig into the testimony, we see, first off, uh, by four, this chopper went down at 2, uh, 2.39 a.m. local time. By 4.15 local time, we had, put, we had flown in an arm, a, a squadron of United States Army Pathfinders, 20 to be precise, who were told to go to the black scene, to the, to the crash scene, and were ordered to go find the black box. And ladies, they spent two days looking for the black box. They said they could not 
find the black box. Now, we know now, uh, the report covered this up, that there were actually other units on the ground, which the report covered up before the Pathfinders ever got there. But the Pathfinders testified they spent two days looking for it, and this was the first time they had never found a black box, okay? Now, remember I said a moment ago also that there was a briefing at Little Creek, Virginia in October of 2011 when the military brought family members in. And, Mary, that question was a question that was asked, the very same question was asked of the of the General Jeffrey Colt, who was a principal investigating officer. General, did this chopper have a black box? And the answer the families were given on that occasion was uh, the black box could not be recovered. We think it was washed away in a flood. What? So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so was told, there a flood? I mean... That, well, what happened is, and, um, and I go, go over this in the book, but there are actually photographs, of course, of the crashing in this military port. And there was a, a small, uh, they call it a wadi. It's almost like a creek. It's what right. they call a creek in Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, called the Tangi River. And it was, if you see an actual photograph, it looks like a, uh, you know, a mud stream that mm-hmm. is maybe 15, 20 feet across. And if you wade into it, maybe it's up to your knees. But there had been a flash flood uh, the night after the shoot down. That's true. There had been a flash flood. Uh, but the whole, uh, you know, which which caused the wadi to swell some. But the whole notion, first of all, so you, that you would lose a black box because of a flooding in a mountain zone. Mountain zone is ridiculous. And you know, we pulled black boxes out of thousands of feet of water. And, of course, they, and you know, you, we, we followed the shoot down or the, the loss of this Malaysian airliner and others. They do have these low-frequency emissions that ping from them. Uh, so that... You know, that explanation given by the military simply did not ring true. But they never backed off of that, it, that quote, it washed away in a flood version until February of 2014, when finally there was a nominal, what I call dog and pony show of a congressional investigation chaired by local congress, congressman there, Jacob uh, Chaffetz, Jason Chaffetz from Utah, mm-hmm. who was sitting sitting on the, uh, the National Security Subcommittee of the House Oversight committee and uh, and during that hour and a half you know, testimonial exchange. There were there was a civilian bureaucrat from the Pentagon and Gary Reed who testified that the chopper never had a black box to begin with. He said it was an old type of chopper that never had a black box. So the military has gone from a sending a Pathfinder team in looking for it for two days mm-hmm. and not being able to find it to b uh, suggesting that it was washed away in a flood and then in two. 2014, in February of 2014, with this chopper going down August of 2011, now saying for the first time it never had a black box to begin with. So this simply raises one question after another question after another question. Now, I have spoken to senior military pilots who don't buy a Mr. Reed's claim that there was never a black box to begin with. Well, I do believe it was a black box. Why would you send? But you know, the thing is that not one single member of the Congress, not one in that committee, including Congressman Chaffetz, who I think generally is a good guy, and I don't know why, but not one member of the Congress said, well, Mr. Reed, if there was no black box, then why did we send a Pathfinder team to look for one mm-hmm. for two days? Nor did nor did anybody ask him, well, Mr. Reed, if there was no black box, why did the military say it was washed away by a flood? Nobody asked him or pinned him down or, or asked him why there was such a change. I do believe it was a black box. That's my belief based right. upon the weight of the evidence, and I think the black box would give us a probably a very definitive uh, explanation and of the, what happened. And the Congressional job. Subcommittee never interviewed, never asked questions of the U.S. Army Pathfinders sent to go look for it. There was not a single, that's true, there was not a single um, officer or enlisted man or a member of the United States military who had been in Afghanistan on the night of the shoot-down who testified. In fact, the, the testimony considered consisted from the military of five individuals, two civilians, three officers. One civilian is Mr. Reed, um, who is a deputy secretary of defense for XYZ, blah, 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 low intensity and things. He's got a long title. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. So he was the principal spokesperson for the military. Then there was a lady there who uh, was the was the principal a civilian in charge of Pentagon Mortuary Affairs for the Department of Defense. Okay, mm-hmm. Then the three officers from the Army, Navy, and Air 
Air Force, we had um, two colonels and a commander who were, and each of these officers were in charge of each respective services mortuary affairs division. So to, to summarize, the, the military brought forward one bureaucrat and four funeral experts to testify on this hearing about extortion 17. So there was no substantive testimony at all. Mr. Reed was giving the official military position, which, you know, I don't think we can trust, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But no one knew anything, not a single pathfinder. There were, you know, there were other helicopters in the sky, remember? There were two helicopters along with extortion 17, these Apaches, mm-hmm. who could find the landing zone. The AC-130 circling overhead, who had requested permission to take these Taliban out over and over again. Nobody was caught off the AC-130 to testify in Washington. In fact, fact, um, that we know the pilot of the AC-130 in sworn testimony and the navigator got it onto the record that they had requested permission to take out these Taliban and were denied. But not a single question from a member of the Congress as to why we did not allow those AC-130 to fire on the, the landing zone. And not a single question about these suicidal rules of engagement that are getting our military killed. And then we, we saw it at Storson 17. We saw it, really, a variation of it in Chattanooga just a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. We saw it really in Benghazi with the stand-down order. The rules of engagement are foolish, and they're suicidal. They need to be examined. And this case, by the way, which is the largest loss of life and the one that's been buried the most from the public, should stand as a centerpiece of an examination, the national examination of the rules of engagement. Right, and because those rules of engagement, if they were able to uh, have uh, be covered by the uh, cover fire, right, if that was laid down before the helicopter would have gotten to the ground, they would be alive today. You know what's fascinating right. to me, though? is the fact that black boxes survive going into the ocean, yet we oh. it's it's uncoverable because of a stream? I mean, this is getting... It's such a ridiculous story. It's it's ridiculous. Well, if you ever get a chance to chat with uh, either Billy or Karen Vaughn, they're good friends of mine, and mm-hmm. they, they can tell you, it's, it's, and it will, it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening. And- we'll be right back more with Don Brown, Extortion 17. Lionsgate Recovery understands how difficult times are right now, and we are here to support our community. We have increased testing, screening, and cleaning protocols for safety, but are still accepting new clients who are in dire need of help for substance abuse. If you or a loved one needs help, please call us today. We will do everything we can to get you the help you need. Lionsgate Recovery. People in recovery, helping people find recovery. Love doing laundry because I found a solution. Raindance Dry Cleaners. Raindance Dry Cleaners opened their second location right here in St. George. That means free pickup and delivery to your home or office with April specials of 25% off quilts and sleeping bags from all your COVID-19 camping getaways. Download their app today. Raindance Dry Cleaners at 440 West St. George Boulevard. No more washing, drying, and folding laundry. Let Raindance Dry Cleaners do the work for you. Call 435-627-3790. Are you covered by Medicare? or nearing Medicare eligibility? Do the different Medicare options and supplemental policies seem like alphabet soup or a high-stakes game of Scrabble? Relax. Let WMI Mutual Insurance Company simplify this complicated decision and save you money. WMI has been offering their commission-free Medigap policies to seniors just like you for more than 30 years with quality insurance and affordable rates. Call them today or visit WMIMedigap.com. This is a solicitation of insurance. Is the economy crushing your retirement funds? This is Trevor at Heritage Reverse Mortgage. A reverse mortgage can secure your assets while the economy recovers. With a reverse, you eliminate your mortgage payment, consolidate debt, and access funds to live every month. Mortgage rates are at record lows and values are at record highs. Now is the best time to set up your reverse mortgage or refinance the one you have. Call me to see how we can help you live better and protect your assets. 435-359-9000. 435-359-9000. NMLS 149745. 
live. Hi, folks. John Sato here for the Piano Gallery. Along with Joe Davidson, we're taking extra steps to ensure a safe and pleasant environment for our friends and visitors at the Piano Gallery. We're cleaning and sanitizing the keys of our pianos daily to make sure your piano shopping experience is fun, safe, and worry-free. I invite you to visit us to explore a wide range of new and used acoustic and digital pianos, including the Yamaha Clavinova and the incredible Disclavier. We add piano choices frequently, so there's always something new to see. But if you're still uncomfortable with a visit to the store, we'll bring the store to you. We can connect over FaceTime or Facebook video and give you a virtual demonstration from the comfort of your living room. Or if that's not your style, well, we'll record a high-definition video of any of our instruments and send it to you on the spot. We've got the technology. Stop by today or call us for more info at 435-634-1062. We look forward to seeing you soon online or in the store. Bedrock Court's selection of 100% natural stone countertops are organic and quarried directly from the earth with no fillers, additives, or byproducts. We pride ourselves in having products that are durable and can handle hot pots, pans, and spills without destroying the integrity of the stone. Our natural stone countertops will last a lifetime, and the pricing is competitive. The quality, top-notch, and the service, excellent. For beautiful quartz, granite, or marble countertops that are built for your future, call Bedrock Quartz on Riverside Drive today or bedrockquartz.com. Hi, I'm Linda, and I'd like to tell you why I trust my eyes to South West Vision. Allergies, dry, burning, and irritated eyes are miserable to deal with, but it's all part of living with the weather here in southern Utah. That's why I called the doctors at Southwest Vision and found relief. For my eyes, I trust Southwest Vision. Southwest Vision specializes in relief from allergy and dry eye symptoms. Schedule your appointment today. Southwest Vision on 700 South or southwestvision.com. Hi, this is Kate Daly, and I love my sponsors. Boulevard Mattress, located at Boulevard Home on Mall Drive, where you can get an incredible mattress at a low, low price. And St. George Ink and Toner. If you want to save money on ink for your printers, see St. George Ink and Toner at 42 South River Road. Thanks for listening to The Kate Daly Show on St. George News Radio. Hi, guys. It's Andrew with Wasatch Medical Clinic. Erectile dysfunction is a serious subject that plagues a lot of men. The good news is that we can fix the problem without any medication, injections, or surgery. Wasatch Medical is open, and we're here for you. We're following all CDC guidelines. We're even taking your temperature at the door to make sure all of our patients are safe and healthy. Our technology is clinically proven to eliminate ED affordably and quickly with zero side effects. If you're struggling with ED and want a long-lasting fix, call us right now. We're running an unprecedented and it's special, never before offered. We'll give you the initial medical exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound totally free. That's a $300 value. Additionally, if you call us now and come in and take our treatments, we'll give you a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. 435-922-7000. That's 435-922-7000. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now for that free assessment. 435-922-7000. Really maddening. And, and, and and to and to not you know to wait let me see almost three years before you change the story again that there was no black box to begin with it just it, it just totally destroys undermines any semblance of credibility from the military and wouldn't they wouldn't they be alive today if they could have laid down cover fire well I believe that is the case I, I do I, I think clearly l- let me just let me caveat it this way mm-hmm. we don't know what happened on, the, on board that chopper I, I, I think it's a possibility chopper uh, you know there could have been a firefight on board the chopper but I don't know that for sure I'm suspicious of it but this I do know it, there's a long-standing tradition with the US military that we saw from the beach you go back to Normandy you see the, the Navy bombed the you know the, the Utah and, and Juneau Beach and the sword Beach. Uh, at, or at the Iwo Jima, or even in the first Persian Gulf War, maybe you remember at Operation Desert Shield, even and before Desert Storm commenced, the beginning of it, there was a three-day air war where we're bombing and softening the beachhead. But the rules of engagement has changed, so we can't, we cannot do that anymore. Our guys are getting killed. So if you remove the element of a possible sabotage inside the craft, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that properly applied rules of engagement would have saved the lives of these men. Matter of 
fact, if you read the final military report from the 13th of September, General Colt and General Mattis go into this issue about, well, we find that the that the Army National Guard crew was tra- properly trained, the aircraft selected was fine. So they basically are setting up an argument, a discussion, a debate as to whether or not you should have used special forces aviation or not. But I made the point, and I'll make it again here, again, that if the proper rules of engagement have been applied, if we had been able to blast that landing zone and clear that landing zone out with all the firepower we had, and we had tremendous firepower in the air that could have done it and wanted to do it, then my grandmother could have taken these SEALs in on a horse and yeah. buggy and gotten them there safely. Right. I have another question for you, and you may have sure. mentioned this, and we're going through this so quickly, I want to be sure I'm understanding. Did right. anyone from the gunship that was circling above the Chinook testify to what they saw? The answer to the question is, at during the the military's five week investigation, from the commenced August the seventh and finished the thirteenth of September two thousand eleven, yes, the commander of the gunship and the navigator both testified and both pointed out. In fact, the commander of the gunship and I cover this in the book said he said basically he was asked a question about TTP that's techniques, tactics, and procedure, and when he was asked that question. He basically ignored the question. He basically said, I want to put it on the record now that we request permission to fire and we're denied. He basically says wow. that. He says that. So he gets it onto the record. And then his navigator, who also testified, points out, you know, we wanted to fire, but we were told just to watch those guys moving toward the landing zone. Now, that's what's on the military record. That There was no question, however, asked by a single member of the Congress about why did we not allow uh, pre-suppression firing that landing zone zone. There was no question asked why was the was the AC-130 denied permission to fire into that landing zone. And by the way, we intercepted intelligence May the 11th, 2011. This is now 10 days after bin Laden has killed. It's, it is nine days after the Taliban has publicly vowed revenge. We intercepted military intelligence from Taliban communication that the Taliban was moving 100 additional fighters into this tangy valley where the chopper was shot down. It's a small valley. They were moving them into that valley solely for the purpose of shooting down a United States military chopper in retaliation for the bin Laden raid. And yet still, and a matter of fact, we got that information, and, on, and there were three attacks against U.S. choppers in this valley leading up to the shootdown of, of uh, Extortion 17, and never were the, were the uh, rules of engagement set so that we could clear out the landing zone. It's absolutely criminal, if you ask me. And our congressmen ought to be ashamed of themselves for not pressing the military publicly on this issue. Uh, talking to Don Brown is the author of Extortion 17. Grab his book. It's very, very good, very detailed. That was the call sign of the Chinook helicopter carrying 17 Navy SEALs who were part of SEAL Team 6, along with a few Army Rangers, National Guard pilots, and seven unknown Afghan soldiers that were all killed in a, and I say, I would definitely say a massive cover-up. Actually, without a uh, black box, we don't know uh, what happened definitely inside the chopper. We know strange things happened. We know that the chopper appeared to be lost in the sky. It requested a sparkle, which was an odd request. It wasn't part, uh, that that means a burst of light, uh, which was a very, very odd request, which was not part of uh, of the mission plan. But the book, I would describe it as doing two things. First, the book is an indictment against the rules of engagement okay. because there is absolutely no doubt, no question, nothing nothing ambiguous at all about the fact that suicidal rules of engagement were uh, were applied in this case. In other words, the military has to fight with one hand behind its back. In other words, we have to shoot, we have to be shot at before we can shoot. And and it's a top-down, policy-driven, foolish uh, set of decisions, but we were not able to soften the beachhead. Now, I don't know what happened on the board of the chopper, but we know that strange things happen. We know, first off, First off, the fact that seven Afghanis boarded it at the last second was covered up. Okay, we know that. We know that there were strange and contradictory uh, stories about the status of the black box. That's odd. Uh, we also know that we sent pathfinders in. 
looking for a black box. We know the final military report claims that the first group on the ground was Army Rangers at 4.12 a.m. Keeping in mind the chopper went down at 2.39 a.m. But digging into the evidence, we found that there were at least two other groups unidentified on the ground by 3.04 a.m. So there were unidentified groups on the ground. One report, even that one ground, one group approached the chopper, examined it, and then left. We don't know if those groups were tampering the black box for the Rangers and the Pathfinders got there. We just don't know. So there, there are a lot of unanswered questions that we're being forced to deal with at the moment. So in, in addition to that, um, I was given access to, um, to, to a small number of autopsies, and we actually found bullets in the bodies of two of the three servicemen. I was going to ask you about that. How, can't they know whether those came from the guns of the people inside or the, 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 the members inside, the Taliban uh, members that or Afghan soldiers that came aboard or the, or the ground forces? Well, there is certainly a way to determine that if you want to put it to the forensic test. But the problem is the military pathologist immediately threw away the bullets that were found in the bodies of two of our service members immediately, mm. said that they were of no evidentiary value. That's unheard the, of. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were, that's they ridiculous. Were I've seen were, enough NCIS to know yeah. that that's crazy. Yeah, right. that's well, insane. See, here, here's the thing to keep in mind. Number one, um, the, uh, the, the official report appears to have been uh, released because somebody wanted it out. And whoever did that, if you're listening, I commend you and thank you. Mm-hmm. But above me on that, the autopsies were not part of the military report. Now, it's hard for family members to look at this report. And I've talked to family members, and I know, and I can only imagine. But the autopsies, you had to, you had to request those above me on. And a few family members did and got them to me. And when I looked at the autopsies, uh, what I saw at page three was a notation that, quote, cook-off rounds found at autopsy, but discarded as having no evidentiary value. Now, a cook-off round is this. Cook-off round is a bullet that goes off in heat, okay? Mm. Uh, Most people think if you were to take a box of bullets and put that box, say, into a fire, that the box would blow up and would be dangerous. But the fact of the matter is that isn't true at all. Matter of fact, oftentimes bullets don't blow up in fires at all. And I I cover uh, two studies in my book, one from the United States military on the issue of cook-off rounds. Cook-off rounds are innocuous. You ladies may not be old enough to remember, but there was a commercial a number of years ago from Rice Krispies, and the theme was Snap, Crackle, Pop. Mm -hmm. You you ladies remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. So if a bullet does happen to go off in a fire, it's like Snap, Crackle, Pop. Mm-hmm. It can't. It virtually is virtually impossible for that bullet to enter the body because if it's not inside the barrel of a gun, if it goes off, it has no steel, no pressure in which to force it out with with you know with great velocity. So if you were to if you were to take a bullet and heat it up and it did pop, snap, crackle, pop, what would happen is if you're familiar with the bullet, there's the bullet itself, the left part of the end, and then there's a casing. The casing actually would go farther than the bullet itself, and it's almost impossible possible to enter the body. The only way a bullet can generally enter the body if it is a cook-off round will be let's say let's say Kate I was out there with you and you were to you were to point a loaded gun at me, the gun is loaded, and then Mary takes a blowtorch and goes under the bottom of that gun and heats it up to the point that it actually then fires, you know, then it might enter my body, maybe. But the thing here is that the the Pathfinders stated that the weapons were actually found scattered outside of the, on the ground. They were barely even burned. So I don't know why those cook-off rounds. I don't know why those bullets were found. Were found in the bodies, but it raises a question that they were called cook-off rounds and immediately thrown away, and no questions were asked. I mean, so you have a number of suspicious um, happenings mm-hmm. that that make me wonder, and I'm very suspicious that something could have happened on board a chopper. But again, circling back, there is no doubt, no doubt that my book is an indictment on the rules of engagement, and the rules of engagement were suicidal. If nothing happened on the chopper, there's absolutely no question that uh, that the rules of engagement uh, cause these men to get killed. And mm-hmm. it's on our military leadership. Wow. And there's, the there's so much more in the book. You've got to get the book. But what were, have you been threatened? What were, what was the outcome of you writing this book? Have you received any heat for it? Have the families received any heat for speaking up? And what was your final synopsis of this? What do you think happened? I believe... I, 
first off, I believe the chopper had a black box. Mm-hmm. I believe something probably happened on board the chopper. I don't know if uh, there was communication between, uh, you know, these guys that jumped on the chopper last second and Taliban on the ground. I don't know. I do believe absolutely the Taliban knew where the landing zone was. In fact, um, one thing that I have discovered uh, is that both British press and the French press, both, and the UK uh, Telegraph and Daily Mail, for example, both reported that they had inside information from the Afghan government that the Taliban was tipped on the flight pattern of this chopper and knew where it was going. And did you know, ladies, that the military did not ask one single question of any Afghan at all, nor was any question asked about the possibility the Taliban was tipped, like the British and French press reported, just ignored it, and so did the U.S. Congress. I believe the Taliban was tipped. There was a point-blank shot fired, apparently, from the ground, and it was point-blank. And the Taliban, I mean, the, the odds of flying into a landing zone full of Taliban yeah. uh, at any rate is not likely anyway. So I'm absolutely believe, I'm absolutely convinced the Taliban knew and that we know they knew and that that was covered up for political and other purposes in 2011. So there wasn't any interviews for the group in Afghanistan who oversees the U.S. operations called the Operational Coordination Group. There were no interviews there either? Uh, there were interviews. The thing that you have to understand is that when you look at the official military report, that no specific names are given in the mm-hmm. report except for General Colt himself and General Mattis, the the, uh, the CENTCOM was General Mattis, the four-star Marine Corps general who at that time was overseeing combat operations, and, and the one-star General Jeffrey Colt, who was the actual investigating officer. But there were there were uh, so, so if you look at who was interviewed, we have the titles uh, of officers interviewed. So the so there were interviews of the Joint Special Operations Task Force commander. This is a Joint Special Operations uh, you know mission, mm-hmm. and the J three. There was also a, a combat assessment air team, a Joint Combat Assessment Air Team, that went in and and picked up the wreckage after it was secured, brought it back to Bagram Air Base, and photographed it. And a lot of those folks did testify. The folks, you know, the the, the military officers testifying, um, in my opinion, seemed to be truthful and wanted to get all the information out they could. It's just that there was a decision made, and I'll tell you, one of the things that, and I go over this in the book, General Mattis, the four-star general who ordered General Colt to go investigate, basically said, go investigate, figure out what was wrong, but if there's an Article 31 violation, don't ask questions, come back and tell me. Let me tell you what Article 31 means. Article 31 is the military's version of the Fifth Amendment. In other words, Article 31 of the UCMJ, Uniform Code of Military Justice, basically says you can't if any military member is suspected of any type of wrongdoing, you can't ask questions. They have a right to remain silent. So General Colt's hands were strapped by General Mattis from the very beginning. Now, here's where this comes into play. There was an officer who was responsible for maintaining the integrity of the flight manifest. That The manifest is the roster of who's on board an aircraft. And every aircraft in the United States required to have a manifest. In the military, the manifest requirements are even stricter. You not only you got to give a name, rank, and serial number, but you also have to keep track of what weapons are on board. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a compromise of the manifest, and so and so General General Colt really came to ask questions. Because General Madison said, if you suspect anyone of violating Article Thirty One, don't ask questions unless you come talk to me first. We have got to go, so, and I I love the, Don. People need to get the book Extortion Seventeen. Have you received any heat for this? Yes, yeah, a lot of heat. So, but, uh, wow. but let's keep flying forward. Uh, please buy the book. Please read it. Please uh, continue to spread the word. Don Brown, thank you so much. For- 